Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sasha Kelly and welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, who said business news needs to be all business? Does your Instagram feed look anything like mine? Friends, family, enemies, exes, parasocial podcast relationships. It just seems like everyone I know is gallivanting around Europe. Well, at least it feels that way. If you're one of the lucky Australians escaping the cold winter months and enjoying Europe and listening to this and thinking, hey, I deserve my holiday. Well, first of all, thank you for listening and thanks for keeping up with the dive. But also, you might be part of what more and more European leaders are calling over-tourism. Or perhaps more bluntly, there are some in Europe just telling tourists they're full. It's Wednesday, the 26th of July, and today I want to know, just how many tourists can Europe accommodate at this time of year? And if over-tourism is a problem, what does the future of European holidays look like? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Mates, Simon. Simon, welcome to the dive. Hello, Sasha. How are you today? I'm very well, and I am feeling pretty jealous of those who are enjoying Same. some sun. It is very cold at the moment. Yeah, I can't complain too much. Coming from the UK, I've experienced a lot colder, but yeah, I'm definitely getting a bit jealous looking at my Instagram feed at the moment. Now, not to get into the technicalities, but I think our houses aren't built for the cold in the same way our northern true. counterparts are. So I do agree. It is always colder there, but Somehow you feel it inside here a lot more. 100%. I vouch for that. (laughs) Okay. So, Simon, we're seeing a post-pandemic travel boom. Just how many tourists descend to Europe in these summer months? Well, Sasha, the short answer is a lot. (laughs) Europe is actually the global leader in international tourism and accounts for roughly two-thirds of all international tourist arrivals worldwide. Wow. In 2019, Europe reported a peak of around 745 million international visitors. And after three years of pandemic restrictions, travellers are flocking back to Europe this summer in record numbers. With expectations that the summer of 2023 will beat 2019's records. And can you blame the world for wanting to go to Europe? From the popular tourist destinations of Barcelona and Rome, Athens and Venice, the scenic islands of Santorini in Greece. After a few years of pandemic interruption, these European hubs are once again swarming with tourists. So sold out hotels, packed museums and overflowing restaurants increasingly commonplace. Careful, Simon, with a smooth music bed underneath you then, you sounded like you were spruiking European <laughs> travel to me. <laughs> and Simon, as you just beautifully demonstrated by describing those locations, it's clear as well that our pandemic era viewing habits had an effect on our travel choices once lockdowns ended. Yeah, that's right. Travel writers have now coined this term, the Netflix effect. I'm Emily. You're a new neighbour. So popular shows like The White Lotus by HBO and Netflix, Emily in Paris have enticed hordes of selfie snapping fans. 
According to data from Expedia, flight searches to cities in Sicily, the idyllic island where the White Lotus' second season was filmed, have spiked by triple digits this summer, while searches to Messina up by a whopping 335%. Wow. The creation city of Dubrovnik, its right ramparts, best known as King's Landing in the HBO show Game of Thrones, saw a nearly 50% increase in arrivals in the first five months of 2023 compared to the same period last year. Wow. And Europe is a popular travel destination. It's We're not breaking big news by saying that. But the story here is that Europe is actually reaching a tipping point. It might go from busy to broken as it faces over-tourism. Yes, right. Over-tourism refers to a situation in which too many tourists travel to a popular destination, causing the place to suffer negative environmental, economic and social cultural impacts. Or as the European Parliament have labelled it, over-tourism is where visitor numbers can impact landscapes, seascapes, air and water quality, as well as living conditions of local residents. And it's easy to see that locals can become frustrated by the amount of litter that's left behind, the increased traffic from cars or buses, those annoying drones that may be flying around, invading their privacy, and of course also the skyrocketing prices of goods and property in those areas. Yeah, Simon, as you speak, it's easy to think of anecdotal examples in my own life of where I've seen the impact of tourism when I myself have been a tourist, so I haven't really felt comfortable pointing the finger at anyone else. But I think it's really important to zoom out for a second and get a sense of the numbers here, just how much tourism is over tourism. Well, one way to measure it is by the number of tourists per inhabitant. So I've got some numbers for you here. Starting with Barcelona in Spain, there's 1.6 million inhabitants. They got a record 12 million visitors in the past year, or put another way, seven and a half tourists for every one local resident. Athens and Greece, they can count eight tourists per local resident. Paris and France, nine tourists per resident. And in Ireland's fun-loving Dublin, they get 11 tourists per resident. No, that is feeling like a lot, Simon. Well, we're just getting started, Sasha. Oh, no. (laughs) Reykjavik in Iceland, 16 tourists per resident. That's become very popular in recent years with its alternative and unique landscapes. In equal second place, we've got Venice in Italy, Rhodes in Greece and Bruges in Belgium with 21 tourists per local resident. I'm surprised by Bruges, but anyway, keep going. Who's number one? (laughs) And number one, Dubrovnik in Croatia comes first on our list with 36 tourists for every local resident. Well, it seems like a lot of us want to go and channel our inner mother of dragons, I think, and go hang out in King's Landing. Where are my dragons? 36 tourists per local feels like a lot. But let's get a comparison for us here in Australia. What are the numbers in Sydney or Melbourne? Yeah, we crunched some numbers locally. So Melbourne was visited by 1.4 million international overnight visitors and 8.5 million domestic overnight visitors in the last year, which is just shy of 10 million in total. And with a population of 5 million, that gives us a two to one ratio, basically. Mm -hmm. Sydney 1.6 million international overnight visitors, 8.8 domestic. So with a population of 6 million, that gets us to a ratio of just less than two. Wow. So that really does put, what, 36 to one in perspective. What's the effect then of these incredible 
numbers. Yeah, so just, a, I guess, a couple of negative examples here, Sasha. From an environmental perspective, some of the Greek islands are facing chronic water shortages in peak tourist season. On some of the islands, the summer peak can reach up to 30 times the need of the permanent population. Wow. And back to Dubrovnik again, in terms of quality of life, actually in 2016, the mayor outraged local residents when he asked them to stay at home to avoid the dangerous levels of crowds disembarking from multiple cruise ships. I'd be annoyed if someone asked me to stay home because tourists were coming into my straits. Yeah, I think I would too. So fair enough then, Simon, that in response, we're seeing three key responses from European leaders. Why don't we get to that after the break? Rome, Italy had 26 million tourists last year, which forced measures such as restricting access to the Trevi Fountain and barring people from sitting on the famous Spanish steps. And those guys in the yellow jackets are the police, here to enforce the no-sitting rule. So nobody's sitting on the steps. Back in 2017, after a recommendation from UNESCO that the old town of Dubrovnik should not have more than 8,000 people in it at any one time, the city actually took steps to enforce that limit by installing 116 surveillance cameras and counting the number of people who are entering the city each day. We have the cameras that are put around the old town, which help us knowing the exact number of visitors at any point of time. And another example is the picturesque town of Portofino on the Italian Riviera. Only 400 residents, but they're swamped by thousands of visitors. They established a no hanging around zone to stop people posing for selfies. Anyone caught on the quay for too long between 10.30 in the morning and 6pm in the evening, they risked a fine of nearly 300 euros. Wow. You know what that makes me think of, Simon, when um, outside banks and McDonald's, they play classical music to make sure the youths don't spend too long. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an anti-loitering technique. You'll start to hear it now. But these restrictions have had mixed results, haven't they? They have had mixed results. And take the example of Holstadt, a town in Austria, declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. 
The town is so picturesque that it's thought to actually inspired the central location of the Frozen film franchise and the birthplace of Anna and Elsa. Ooh. It tracks over a million tourists per year and they all want to get their selfies with that famous view, but the residents have had enough. Due to locals' protests against the over-tourism, the town's government decided to put up a wooden fence which would block out the most Instagrammable spot. Oh no. The barrier, which was intended to stop tourists from disrupting the lives of residents, produced such a social media backlash that it actually had to end up being removed. I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, we're talking about it, so it's obviously made a big enough kerfuffle that it was printed about. If tourists are spending thousands, after all, to get over to Europe, then you want your Instagram shot. You want to take the photo to make everyone jealous. So let's then go to the second strategy from European leaders, and that is spreading. Yeah, so spreading, I think we'll start hearing a lot more about this. This trend entails limiting the growth of hotels and Airbnbs in their over-visited downtown areas while permitting them and encouraging them in the suburbs and nearby towns. So it's not focused on the overall number of tourists, but rather the concentration of tourists in the key hotspots. And for this, Airbnb plays a key role. Hotels are naturally clustered in tourist hotspots and areas zoned for dense residential properties. Airbnb can help open up the rest of the city. And according to Airbnb's own analysis, their flexible search tools are working to push tourists outside of some of those busiest districts in a number of cities across Europe. Okay, Simon, let's talk about the third strategy then, which is turning tourists away. This is the most extreme response, but we're actually seeing it more and more. This is essentially degrowth. The classic example here is with cruise ships. Venice have blocked cruise ships and back to Dubrovnik again. The new mayor there, he's capped the number of cruise ships that can dock in the city at two per day. Other recent measures against overcrowding include caps on the number of visitors to Marseille, France. Several Spanish islands have recently expressed frustration with the amount of Brit tourists coming there. Lanzarote, which is a Spanish island, has declared itself tourist-saturated area and Mallorca plans to set a limit of 430,000 tourist beds across the island. Some more extreme examples, Amsterdam have actually launched a stay-away ad aimed at badly behaving Brits. Ooh, how do you feel about that, Simon, as a, as a British national? Not surprised. <laughs> I think that's all we need to say on that topic. Officials in the Dutch capital Amsterdam have launched a digital campaign to try to reduce the number of British tourists coming in search of drugs, sex and alcohol. The messages are automatically triggered when search terms such as stag party, cheap hotel or pub crawl in Amsterdam are typed in. So this model, though, of turning tourists away and trying to reduce numbers, I mean, it's pretty obvious it has to have an economic impact. Deliberately reducing tourism would be a brave step, even if it were feasible. According to the European Parliament, tourism industry directly accounts for about 4% of the European gross domestic product, rising to 10% if you take account of all its linked to other economic sectors. But you can't keep tourism growing forever. There needs to be a sustainable middle ground. And I guess with tighter supply on the number of tourists that can visit some of these hotspots, but constant or even growing levels of demand... This is going to lead to one thing, higher prices. Yeah. And that might make Europe less accessible for us, but it might lessen the economic impact on European cities and tourism-reliant industries. Simon, I'm opening up my leave calendar right now and putting some time in so that I can make sure that I book a ticket over to Italy before they start tightening that supply even more. 
But I guess we better leave it there for today and maybe everyone else can take the chance to do the same. Thanks so much for bringing this to my attention today. If you're a fan of The Dive, then the absolute number one thing that you can do for us and we do really appreciate it, is to send it to a friend. Send a little message, just say, listen to this, thought of you, thought you might enjoy it, and spread the word. It is the best thing that you can do for us, an independent, small media organisation, to help us grow our listener numbers. Simon, thank you so much for joining me today on The Dive. Thank you, Sasha. Been a pleasure. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services License 540697.